So we've been looking at different powers in this series that affect us. In the first week, we looked at the power of sin. I'm just going to like lower this mic down a little bit. Hopefully that helps. We looked at the power of sin and how it affects us and how it can have its grip in our lives, but how Jesus has overcome that by his life, his death, and his resurrection. He broke the power of sin for us. Then we started looking at the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit has power for us and how we walk that out, allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be evident in our lives as the Spirit transforms us and renews us and as we walk in step with the Spirit. We talked about what that looked like to walk in step, abiding in Him, taking time to daily acknowledge that we have our life through Jesus, taking up our cross, dying to ourselves so that he can live through us, about turning our I into an us, a daily embrace of his strength for us, that we don't do this alone, but we do it with him, and we do it with the community of believers, that we are his body together. And then we turn our I into a my, We daily engage in disciplines, not because I have to, but because when I do, my time in God's word fills me up so I can then pour out. We we engage in those disciplines to anchor us to him and pour out from him. And through this abiding, the temptation, like I said, the power of sin is overcome. And instead of its fruit, which always leads to death, We have the fruit of the Spirit in us, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you remember last week, we talked about no matter where you've come from in life, whether your church experience has uh, left you always full of God's presence, or whether your church experience and your faith journey has led you questioning whether God even really exists, Because everything you've done for a little while led up to great things. You changed your behavior and it seemed like God answered. And the next minute, he stopped answering. And you wonder whether or not changing your behavior made any sense at all. We talked about how no matter how that happens, that it wasn't, that's not the purpose, behavior changing and and getting things from God. It's his presence in us, his presence changing us that it's all about. His presence in us should always lead to something else. His presence in us should lead to his presence flowing through us. Jesus declared this over this overflowing for those who would be believe in him. In John 7, verses 37 to 39, it says this. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, to give you some context of what's happening in that moment there, 
when it talks about on the last day of the feast, the great day, he stands up and he, he yells this and, and cries out, this is what it is. If you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again and you'll have springs of water flowing out of you. Why does he say that? And why this moment? Why is there attention given to the fact that it's the last day of the feast, this great day? What was going on? Well, in in this moment, this cultural moment, in Israel at this time, Jesus was attending a feast that marked uh, one of the the seasons of their life in Israel. And this feast was the Feast of Tabernacles, or what they would have called Sukkoth. And what the Feast of Tabernacles was, was it was a time for them to remember the fact that Israel had wandered in the desert uh, for 40 years, and God had taken care of them. They all lived in tents. And so they would celebrate th- with this feast by living in tents just outside of Jerusalem. They would spend a whole week living in these little tents that they made. And they would remember, and it wasn't about like uh, it being a hard time. Most of us would think of like, wait, I'm going to leave my house, and I'm going to go set up a tent outside of town, and I'm going to stay there for seven days, this doesn't sound like a festival. This sounds like punishment. But it wasn't punish for them, punishment for them. It was a celebration for them. It was a time to worship God for what he had done because he had taken care of them in the wilderness. And during that feast, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, it lasted seven days. And then on the eighth day, there it, w- it was a special ending. All through the first seven days of the feast, water was taken from the pool of Siloam, which was like a, a well, like a natural spring-watered well that they had in the city. And it was carried in a pitcher uh, and poured out on the altar as a reminder for everyone of the water that God miraculously provided for a thirsty Israel in the wilderness. But on the eighth day, there was no pouring out of water. There was only prayers for water and the expectation of water because what the eighth day represented was when Israel went from being in the wilderness, crossing over into the promised land. And it went from, we need God to supply water every single day or we don't have any, to going into a a promised land full of milk and honey, full of water, full of God's provision, an abundance of God's provision. Similar to what Jesus was saying when he said, there will, be, there will flow rivers of living water. So on this day, Jesus gets up and he declares that there is a promised river, a promised source of water for them that will absolutely fill them. On a day that they were remembering and commemorating the fact that God brought them to a promised land and gave them abundance, Jesus stands up and he says, if you're thirsty, if you need, come to me and I will give you abundance. Out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water, the spirit of God flowing out of us. Jesus was basically saying, put your loving trust in me and throne me in your heart and life in abundance will flow out. Now see, Jesus isn't speaking of only something coming into a person that God's presence and God's spirit would be in you, but something flowing 
out as well. It wasn't just blessing received, but also a source of blessing for others. Jesus was able to satisfy thirst, but more than that, those who were satisfied in him could become, rather should become, distributary channels through whom that overflowing blessing of rivers should pass. Today, we are looking not at just how the Holy Spirit comes and is in us, but the Holy Spirit and his power flows through us. And as we look at that, how we view the ability uh, that we have to receive from God and see him at work on us, in us is vital. Because we don't always have the greatest mindset when it comes to God's spirit filling us and then it going out from us. Sometimes we, we come with a view of ourselves and our life as, if we use the, the analogy of a cup, that we look at ourselves as this cup and we have different ways of thinking about how that cup gets filled and gets used. If we have a mindset of leaks, it says, I'm broken, I'm cracked, my cup leaks. I need to keep what little my cup will hold because it doesn't hold a lot. It keeps leaking out and whatever little bit I can keep in there, I need to keep for myself. A mindset of lack says this. It says, if I pour out my cup, I'll have nothing left. How can God fill my cup and then I pour it out and then my cup is empty? How does that work? Yet a mindset of love says, I pour out my cup and it won't run dry because I have a supernatural supply from God. Which mindset do you live with today? What attitude and heart posture do you have before God today when it comes to him filling you with his spirit? Not for yourself, but to flow through you. See, the Holy Spirit wants to live uh, wants us to live with that love mindset because the, the Spirit desires to flow through us. We read in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5 and verse 8, it says this, While he was with them, he commanded them, meaning Jesus to his disciples, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which is his heavenly Father, which he said, You have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We build ourselves up. We keep ourselves in. We walk in step with the Spirit, expectantly waiting for the power of the Spirit, all this abiding, all this keeping in step, being connected to the Holy Spirit, which is our supernatural supply. We do this so that we can live out what Jesus has asked us to do, to be his witnesses. We need to clearly understand as followers of Jesus, that our freedom that we have in him, the freedom that we have from the power of sin, that which breaks the power of sin in our life and the spirit that gives us new life in Christ, it isn't for our own pleasure. It isn't for us just to be able to live the life we want to now live, 
but it's to be in relationship with God and to join him in his mission to restore all things to himself. Someone somehow has been on mission with God to restore all things to God and that affected your life. You didn't get here on your own. Even if you walked through the doors without anybody else uh, coming to you or whatever, the Holy Spirit has been working on your heart to restore you to God. And we're just joining God in what he is already doing. To join him in his mission to set the captives free, to restore sight to the blind, to give food and clothing to the hungry and the naked, and to visit those locked up and imprisoned in their sin. What the Holy Spirit does in you is help you to live out on purpose the life that every believer should live. And that is, being, uh, that is fulfilled in two things. Every believer has five things that they should be looking at doing with their life. And it's found, those five things are found in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And if you're unfamiliar with those two, those are found in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, and Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. And the Great Commandment says this, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what is that? What is that? That is worship. So one of the five things that every believer should do is love God, worship God, give God what he's due, the fact that he is God Almighty. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Worship him. Love our neighbor as ourselves. The second thing we do is we serve, and we offer ministry to those around us. So there's worship, and there's serving, there's ministry there in the Great Commandment. In the Great Commission, it says this, go into all the world and make disciples, which is evangelism. Evangelism is just a, a big word to say, tell people the good news that Jesus loves them and can save them. So we are supposed to tell people God loves them and he can save them. Then it says that we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Baptism, for that it's our fellowship because we join with Jesus in baptism. We join and belong to who he is and what he is doing. So fellowship becomes a part of what we do. We are associating and becoming known by being with Jesus, his mission, his people. Baptism says, I don't just believe, but I belong. And then the third thing it says there, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus telling his disciples to do so. And that is discipleship. So we have five things that we're called to do. Worship, service, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that enables us, empowers us, and encourages us to live out those things daily. It's in the spirit that we build ourselves up, keep ourselves in, and wait expectantly for his power to fill and overflow from our cup so we can pour out to others. 
Here's the thing. We don't fill our cup to nourish ourselves. The cup that we have isn't for us to drink from. We are the cup. How do we drink from the cup when we are that cup? When God fills us as that cup, it's for others. Holy Spirit is what nourishes us and keeps us from thirsting ever again. This is a major problem, though, when it comes to the body of Christ. Many followers of Jesus see their relationship with the Holy Spirit only in that context of themselves and not in the fullness of others around them. And the Spirit is the indwelling presence of God for us to continually produce the fruit of the Spirit and for the Spirit to pour out of us into others. In Acts 2, verses 1 to 4, we read how the Spirit came upon those early disciples. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying, and they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What was their response to being filled with the Holy Spirit? They poured out of that room declaring the gospel. They poured out of that room worshiping God. And Peter, who had been this petulant leader, this thick-headed fisherman who had no formal education, all of a sudden becomes this orator that stands in front of thousands preaching to them, and seeing them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Did he miraculously just do that in his own strength? Was he going to Toastmasters on the side then and didn't tell anybody else that he was working on how to present and how to speak to people in public settings? It was the Holy Spirit that enabled and empowered him for that. That was one of the gifts of the Spirit that Peter was given. Now, we don't need to focus specifically on Peter's gift, but what we do need to realize is this, is that every single follower of Jesus can have and should have a gift of the Spirit to use within the body of Christ. Here's how the Apostle Paul, writer of a large chunk of the New Testament, he was teaching regarding the gifts of the Spirit to the church in Corinth. And this was a church that Paul, um, he, he had a very tenuous relationship with. Uh, Corinth, the church in Corinth and Paul often were at odds of how to walk out uh, their faith. And Paul continually needed to help them uproot cultural values that were trying to, they were trying to adopt in how they followed Jesus. You see, their culture in Corinth at that time What it did was it elevated those who were able to speak well or who had a a great CV, who could list off all the amazing things that they've done or accomplished or studied. And when you could do so, that became the reason why people should listen to you and follow you. So 
Often when we see Paul, we see him in a couple of times, if you're you're familiar with some of his teaching, he talks about, if you remember the one passage he talks about, if we're talking about being a Jew, I was born on a certain day, so I'm a great Jew. If we're talking about being a Pharisee, I was one of the best Pharisees. If we're talking about all these things, I'm the best of the best. And why was he saying that? Because that was how Corinth would evaluate and set up their leaders based off all these criteria. If you were all these things, then, then you can be our leader. We can listen to you. And yet Paul wanted to throw that totally and reverse that. And so what does he say at the beginning of his, his letter to them? He says this, this is what I came to you. When I came to you, what did I want to know? What did I want to base my education and my teaching and my, my grounding in with you? I wanted to know Christ and Christ crucified. That's what I wanted to know. That's what I wanted to teach. That's what I wanted you to hear from me. Paul's trying to to subvert and turn over how they understood power within the church. They were saying that power should be with those who know lots and can do lots, right? That's why they talked about Uh, In Corinth, there's a portion where they talk about saying, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, and I follow Peter, and I follow Jesus. And what they were doing is saying, man, their their CV, who they are, and their reputation, I'm going to follow them because they're amazing. That's who I'm following. And Peter's saying, or Paul's saying, none of that really matters. Who we follow is God. And we all come together unified in humility. This worked into how they viewed the spiritual gifts. In the city of Corinth, they started looking at the different spiritual gifts that, that were there, and they're like, wow, I have this certain spiritual gift, so that puts me in the upper echelon of people here within the church. And, you know, this is how it all plays out. And, and there was a pecking order that they were building off of that. And so Paul wants to help them understand how this all works, and he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. He says, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these things, distributing to each person as he wills. God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to empower the body of Christ to be everything that it needs to be to represent Jesus, to share the gospel, to share the fact that God's kingdom has come, and it's not a kingdom that's in weakness, but a kingdom that's with strength, but also humility, and also unity. That the power of the Holy Spirit wasn't meant to attain power over anyone at all. But the power of the Holy Spirit was to be a cup poured out for others, serving others. And so we look at the gifts of the Spirit that God has, and we see that they are all by one Spirit, 
for one church to serve the church and the community. Each one of us, God intends and wants to use with the power of the Spirit for the body of Christ and for a witness to our community. We pour out our cup and the Holy Spirit moves through us. And he does so with all that we are. And we see that each one of us has natural abilities, things that we're born with, skills that we have that God has given us uh, since we were born. That's one of the ways that we pour out with, uh, with God. We use our natural gifts and abilities in order to serve God and serve the community. Before the service, uh, we were we were doing a, a worship practice here, and uh, as the team was practicing one of the songs, um, they always go like, "How does that sound? Does it work? Is it good? Does it sound good?" And everything like that. And and Jonathan, who's in the booth back there, he he pipes up from the back and he's like, "That was awesome." And he's like, "If I had that skill set, you know." It'd be great, but I don't have that skill set. You are doing amazing up there. Each one of us has given a different skill set. We have a worship team that can help us enter into God's presence and worship him. We have, we have technical expertise in the back that makes sure we can see all the lyrics and our scriptures and everything like that. We each use the gifts and talents that God has given us for the community. So Jonathan, you have God-given skills. You have natural abilities that God has given you in order to serve the community. And so we honor you for your gifts that you bring to the community. Even though you're always in a dark room in the back, never seen or heard, you give to this community. And so we honor you for that. And Kathy as well, back there uh, doing sound as well. We honor you for gifts, your natural abilities that you honor uh, us with through God, but also comes acquired skills. You can have natural skills and you can have acquired skills. And maybe they're sitting there going like, I'm still acquiring skills in how to do everything I'm doing. And maybe you are feeling the same way. God's teaching you how to use skill sets and learn and try new things in order to give to God things that we've learned about. And then the third one, like I said, spiritual gifts a God-given, unique capacity given to each believer for the purpose of releasing a Holy Spirit-empowered ministry. God has all three aspects of who you are that he wants to use to pour out of your cup. Now, two summers ago, we did a whole 10-week series on spiritual gifts. And it's available for you to go back and listen to on our podcasts. And I'm not going to go through all the different gifts of the Spirit today and work through those and, and help us all understand where, they, where we're at or what, what they could be. But I want you to know that you can go and you can um, study those and, and hear about all the different gifts that there are. But what I want you to know today is this. The Holy Spirit desires again and again to move through you using your natural abilities, your acquired skills, and the spiritual gift or gifts that he has distributed to you for the common good of others. Your cup isn't filled to quench your thirst, but to be poured out in service of others. 
You might be saying again, if I'm always pouring in, out, then how do I stay nourished myself? By walking and keeping in step and being filled with the Spirit and by relying on the body of Christ to nourish you as you pour out your cup, others pour out their cup and fill you. And remember, a mindset of love says, I pour out my cup, but it won't run dry because I have a supernatural supply. But sometimes, sometimes we feel dry, don't we? We, we can hear words like that and go like, okay, I don't need to worry because there's a supernatural supply that I'll just be able to, it's like a tap that never runs out of water and it'll just keep going forever. But then there's some times where we're just like, but I feel dry inside. We're like the psalmist in Psalm 63, one who says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh is faint for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. There's some times where we feel dry and we feel empty, but even in dry seasons of life, we trust that the Holy Spirit is with us, that we are not alone, that we are not actually empty, but the Spirit is in us and has living water that can restore, refresh, renew, as well as being a source of life for others that can flow through us. Sometimes the fact that we are surviving is just due to the fact that the Holy Spirit is sustaining us. And we carry on because of the Holy Spirit. We feel like we may be dry, but that's when the Holy Spirit is carrying us completely. Dr. Bobby Clinton, uh, he groups uh, spiritual gifts into three helpful clusters for us. And again, like I said, we're not going to go through them all and define them all, but we will just define these clusters so you get an idea or a target on how the Holy Spirit may desire to use your life again and again through uh, gifts of the Spirit. The first one is this, power gifts. We, we talk about them being power gifts because they demonstrate the authenticity, authenticity, the credibility, the power, and the reality of an unseen God. All right? That's why we call them power gifts. And they could be, an example of them would be uh, having the gift uh, and the ability to, to do miracles or uh, pray for people and see healings or have a word of knowledge that is very specific for people's lives uh, that you know that could only come from God revealing it to you. Power gifts. Another group of gifts that could be the love gifts, which are manifestations attributed to God through practical ways that can be recognized by a world around us which needs love. And that could be seen as mercy gifts, helps, pastoring, things like that. And then the third grouping would be word gifts. And word gifts clarify the nature of this unseen God and what he expects from his followers. People using these gifts both communicate about God and for God. An example of these would be exhortation, preaching, uh, and teaching, and prophecy. And what is really important is that you discover your spiritual gifts because it is connected to a supernatural supply given by God through the Holy Spirit. 
And while we try to discover these gifts, our posture with these gifts is of equal importance. Again, we're blessed with these gifts to be a blessing. We're filled to pour out in service of others. We're gifted for the common good of everyone. None of those gifts in any one of those groupings, power gifts, love gifts, or word gifts, are meant to build you up. They're meant for you to use to build others up. It's not your job to fill the cup of another person. The Holy Spirit does that. But it is your honor and my honor to pour out the contents of our cup, the natural abilities, acquired skills, and spiritual gifts, so that others might come to know Jesus and continue to grow to be more like Jesus. In John 6, 63, it says this, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. The Holy Spirit is where life comes from. We don't do anything but allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. Our work in and of ourselves doesn't amount to anything. But allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us, obeying and walking in step with the Spirit, allows our activity to honor Him and to have that eternal significance. When we try to do the work in our own strength, we need to remember that and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. We also need to be okay with the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Oftentimes when it comes to gifts, you feel like the Holy Spirit gives us a gift and then we just get to do what we want with that gift. Because that's how we usually treat gifts when it comes to uh, in the natural realm. Somebody gives you a birthday gift, it's your right and ability to do whatever you want with that gift. And yet, when the Holy Spirit gifts us it's not quite the same because it's not, it's not a gift just for you. It's a gift through you to the church, to the community. And when we have that different mindset, it can keep us from uh, trying to use the gifts that God gives us inappropriately. In uh, John 3, 8, it says this, the wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There's a, there's a whistling move of the Spirit in our lives that sometimes can feel like we don't know where we're going and we don't know what's next. And it takes a measure of trust to allow God, through His Spirit, to lead us when we don't know just like the wind, we don't know where it's coming or where it's going, but we see the effect of it. The same thing is true, and we are born of the Spirit, and we allow the Spirit to lead us and guide us. It takes a measure of trust. The Holy Spirit will flow through you again and again according to the spiritual gift that you've been given. And it might be using words. It might be love gifts. It might be power gifts. It could be a combination of gifts. And here's what we need to do is we need to accept that you are 
a part of the body of Christ. Except that you are, if you are following Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you are a part of the body of Christ. And that means that in the body of Christ, he wants to use his gifts through his body for his glory. That means you have a spiritual gift that God wants to give you, that God wants to be in operation in your life. So the first step in seeing the power of the Holy Spirit work through you is to accept that the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. The second step is this. It's to discover your spiritual gift given by God. Now, the spiritual gift isn't something you can select. It isn't something that you can petition for and and work out any deals with God and try to get the, the cool gifts or anything like that. It is a gift given by God that God chooses for you to use within the body of Christ. The third step is this, pour out your gift again and again. Become more comfortable with the Holy Spirit using you to pour out into the lives of others. Trusting the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Trusting the Holy Spirit to pour out when he needs to and where he needs to. Life Center, I want to see a move of God in Cornwall. And I believe you do as well. I want to see the Holy Spirit pour out in Cornwall. And the reason why we talk about the Holy Spirit is because that is God's presence with us now. Equal member with God the Father and with Jesus. God's presence with us here now on earth is his Holy Spirit. And we want to see his Holy Spirit pour out on our community. But I also think God wants to see a move within us of pouring out our cups. That to see a move of God in our community takes us moving to see our cups poured out. And that the gifts, natural abilities, acquired skills, and supernatural gifts of the Spirit that God has given you need to be poured out for others. Now, in Paul's letter to the church of Corinth, he walks through those gifts of the Spirit for the community. And I encourage you to read those. And it starts in in chapter 12. But right in the middle is a great reminder for us. Because chapter 12 and chapter 14, he talks about all those gifts. But right in the middle in chapter 13 is a great reminder. Because no matter the, the supernatural gifts that we have, no matter the, the uniqueness that God wants to use you through his gifts, chapter 13 reminds us that if it's not done in love, if love isn't the foundation, if love isn't the method, and if love isn't the result of what we're trying, then it's worthless. If we can speak in tongues but we don't have love, then we're just a clanging symbol. Love remains. Everything else, when we see Jesus, everything else will cease. 
There'll be no need for tongues and interpretation, miracles, healings. There'll be no need of any of those things because we'll be in the presence of God. All will be restored. All will be whole. All will be healed. All will understand God completely. We won't need any of those things, but what will remain is love. And so we choose to operate, pour out our cups because of love. As we close today, I want to read the the scripture as a prayer of blessing over us. And if you are new in your journey with God and you need prayer or would like prayer, we're here to do that. If you want to discuss more about gifts of the spirit and their impact on your life and the life of our community, we're here to walk with you through that. So we'll, we'll be here available for you after service to pray uh, through anything that you, you want or talk through anything you want to. But I want to pray this blessing over us as a community. And if you're comfortable doing so, I invite you to posture yourself uh, to receive from God. And uh, often what we do to do so is just to have our hands open to say, God, whatever you have for me, I'm ready to receive it. There's nothing... Um, miraculous or supernatural about it, but it's just a posture with our bodies uh, to signify what's going on in our hearts. So I invite you, if you're willing to, want to, just to have your hands open before you as a posture to receive God's blessing in your life today. As I read this from Ephesians 3, as a prayer over us, that according to the riches of his glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. God, we pray for your presence to be in this place. We pray like our worship set this morning that there will be nothing else that would hold our attention. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you are welcome in this place. That as your presence, God, on earth, we desire to have your presence in our lives. And God, my prayer for my life is there's, if there's anything that you have for me that can allow me and help me follow you better, follow you more fully, then I, I'm open to receive it. And God, may we be a church that is open and welcome to receiving anything and everything you have for us to represent you well to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Amen. Amen.